So I think it's very important for our industry. And we, we noticed it a lot during, of course, uh, uh, COVID as well. Um, and technical content, I guess I shouldn't really necessarily say, I should mention this. We, we produce a lot of technical content on like bulletins, PDFs as well. Um, so not necessarily just for video, but it did help us a lot during that time frame. All right. Thank you so much for uh, tuning into the WiseNetics podcast. I'm your host, Daryl. And today with me, I've got Woody Lasso. He's the marketing and commercial support manager for Avigen uh, North America. Woody, how are you doing today, man? Good. How about yourself? Hey, I'm, I'm doing awesome. Thanks for taking some time to do this with me. Of course. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about you, Woody. So, well, thanks for the introduction. I should start off with, but um, <laughs> he, you already kind of mentioned it. My name's uh, Walter Woody LaSalle, um, uh, indeed the marketing and commercial support manager for Avigen here in North America. Um, I've been with the company now for about five years, um, working alongside various global teams of uh, Avigen experts. And uh, my background within, I guess, my job career so far has always been in kind of leveraging progressive systems and uh, applications, new technology and uh, innovative ideas. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you've always been kind of like on the cutting edge of putting, putting the systems out there and all that fun stuff. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always, there's always something in the works that people potentially might not know about coming, uh, coming through. So uh, a couple of those things we'll probably touch on here uh, shortly. Awesome. Well, I'm interested in in seeing what those are. But before we get there, everybody gets asked these questions, Woody. What would you say are your top three achievements and what did you learn from those experiences? Uh, That's actually a great question. And actually, you know, you usually have to think about that one a little bit. But (laughs) having uh, having kind of been asked that a couple of times, I would say really for my top three, um, Coming from the Netherlands and having and originally being a Dutch uh, Dutch citizen, now U.S. citizen as well, um, I would say managing a nationally recognized music festival in the Netherlands. Um, started that kind of when I was 16, 15 years old and kind of grew from there. Uh, wow. Would be one of my top uh, achievements. Uh, I always like to kind of, not a lot of people know that about me, so it's pretty neat to always kind of put out there. And then second, I would probably say um, quite recently during COVID, I, I know COVID was not a good uh, thing to happen to, to anyone globally, but really for me, it kind of opened up some avenues. Um, Avigen's always done the production management school here in the U.S. Um, for years and years and years, I think 60 plus years now. And so during COVID, we were not able to do that. So we had to move it to a virtual one. So we had a huge success with that. And uh, I'd say that was a huge achievement on our part, but also for the company. Um, And I think number three is leveraging our newest remote tech support system that uh, we use to increase productivity and and save uh, costs for our business. So that has been really taking off here in North America and globally now as well in different regions. That's awesome. So I'm assuming you really leverage technology for those, those last two. Yes. Yep. That is a hundred percent correct. Uh, that's unfortunately, fortunately and fortunately or unfortunately, that is where the world is going to go nowadays. So trying to stay ahead of the curve with that. But um, so those were the top three achievements and really like, what did I learn from those? I think the most important takeaway parts for me were 
being able to learn how to coordinate large scale events. Um, kind of that's kind of what happens in our marketing department as well. We we do a lot of events with customers, but also uh, we just talked about a little bit earlier, like IPPE. So being able to coordinate those large scale events uh, appropriately with, of course, the the music festival. Um, and I would think number two would probably be being uh, adaptable during challenging times. So being able to still provide our customers with the training that they needed with like the production management school. Um, and third, being able to harness like what you just mentioned, new technology and uh, implement it for our business. I mean, uh, technology is great, but if you don't know how to, to use it and leverage it for the business, it's really not going to do anything. So those three were great achievements, but also a lot of learning curves. So for learned sure. a lot from that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. In regards to technology, it's like I, I tell my uh, my wife that I'm sure she hates it that I'm even mentioning this, but <laughs> you know she'll try to fix something and I'll be like, baby, you're using the wrong tool. And it, you can do it with that for sure, but it's going to be a lot harder. So pick the right tool for the right job. And if you don't know how to use it, it's not the right tool. Very but, true. Uh, Very true. I, I'm curious, what's the music festival? Um, so the music festival used to be called, uh, it's like an electronic dance music festival. So it started in our local town and it start, I should say it started as a club night and kind of grew <laughs> from there. So in the end, we ended up having about eight to 10,000. Uh, Holy smokes. There. So it was a, it was a huge one. Uh, unfortunately, not around anymore. But um, it, of course, I've always thought as weird as it sounds, I've had people who do know it being like, hey, I know you live in Huntsville and uh, we used to have a lot of festivals around here. Not not as many, but I've, how about you try that? So I've looked at it a couple of times, but I don't think uh, EDM works too well here in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, in the country countryside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, in Orlando, there's a big EDM event that comes around once a year, but I don't know about Alabama. So. Yeah, Rob, I, I don't see that working too much. Yeah, no, look at it a little sideways like, hmm, we'll see where that goes. <laughs> so here's another fun question that everybody gets asked. How would your parents describe what you do? That is actually a great question because half the time, I don't think that they really uh, they really know the exact thing um, because a lot happens. But I do have a very close relationship with my parents. So again, with us being from the Netherlands, uh, we've traveled all over the world. Uh, you can probably hear it a little bit. I, don't, I almost barely don't have an accent anymore. Um, but both my parents reside currently in Huntsville, Alabama as well. So I think having grown up in the way that they, they view me now as well, I, I think, I believe that their perception of me aligns with what I've mentioned earlier during myself. Um, but if I had to really put a pinpoint on it, I'd probably say they would probably describe me as like determined um, and an un unconventional thinker who's committed kind of to achieving what he sets out to do. Um, that probably shot me in the foot when I was younger. <laughs> But I've always said, hey, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to make it happen. And I think to this day, they would agree that every single time I mention that, it does end up happening. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Walter, out of the box thinker. I love it. I, hey, I'm going to start using that now for my... So in my LinkedIn profile, I'll change that. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm going to look for that. Um, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of friends in the Netherlands and uh, I... I would almost say you almost have an Alabama accent right now. Like if I didn't know and you didn't tell me, I would have never guessed. 
That's exactly <laughs> what, uh, when I was doing my youth citizenship, that was one of the things that they mentioned. <laughs> they said, are you sure you're not from here? I was like, I mean, I would gladly be if you guys allow me to. <laughs> you can check naturalized right there, please, sir. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Switching gears a little bit more into the, the marketing side of things, what would you say are like essential tools or tactics that are in your toolbox? So this question, um, it's a good one because I think it, it really depends on who you ask as well, because marketing tactics are always just a different type of thing. Uh, I, I am a very big believer that marketing tactics, uh, they're like because the question, of course, with it being in your toolbox, I don't really consider marketing tactics to be a set thing. Uh, and the reason for that is you just, it changes on a daily basis. Think new things, uh, people think of great new things on a daily basis. So I think it differs, but really, uh, if I had to put a couple of them together, I would say in no specific order, I'd probably say like video marketing would be very, uh, um, a good one to have in my toolbox, uh, event marketing. So of course, kind of speaks for itself as our previous conversations. Um, our CRM systems. So for people who don't know what that is, it's customer relationship managers, uh, management systems. So think of like your Salesforce, those type of things. Uh, analytics and data analysis. I think people should definitely have that in their toolbox. And thankfully, I've got it in mind because with the data that you get from some of those, if you don't know what to do with it, again, what are you going to, how are you going to make your decisions? Um, and I always love the term guerrilla marketing, but I consider that kind of like what you mentioned a little bit earlier, out of the box. So thinking a little different than most, because again, with you know, we'll touch on that a little or, or a little later. But with Avigen being in the poultry industry, it's very uh, specific. But I think we can we can really market to some of our customers a little different than others have in the past. Sure. No, that's a, that's a great like, and I kind of think of marketing the same as you, where tactics in the toolbox everything like has its place and there's like a mix, right? Like I feel like to be super successful, you need to kind of leverage all the different ones based on kind of like what your goal is for that campaign. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, we do a lot of video marketing here and audio marketing really as well, but do you think producing and sharing technical content is important for your brand positioning? Yes. Um, but to that point, it also, I guess, kind of differs in uh, which industry you are um, on how important it should be. So I think it's very important for our industry. And we, we noticed it a lot during, of course, uh, uh, COVID as well. Um, and technical content, I guess I shouldn't really necessarily say, I should mention this. We, we produce a lot of technical content on like bulletins, PDFs as well. Um, so not necessarily just for video, but it did help us a lot during that time frame. And really, I think there's a couple of things that I kind of noted down for myself is I think a couple of those would be why is demonstrating expertise. I mean, we have to be able to showcase that we are knowledgeable in their field. Uh, definitely when it comes to the poultry industry um, and with our business, it, it needs to be important to showcase how we do it and, you know, that we are the experts in what we preach. Um, I think another important one is educating your audience. So we know, you know, there's a lot of turnover in, in certain industries and new people coming in and being able to educate them properly 
uh, is very, very important nowadays. So I think with what you guys are doing as well, it's, it's neat to learn new things on a daily basis. Um, a couple of other ones I can think of is like solving our customers' problems. Uh, I think that's pretty important because we create our technical bulletins to kind of support some problems that have occurred over the past couple of years. It might not be immediately, but it is it is important to to push that out. So if it ever arises to one of them, they they've got kind of got their fix and they know how to approach that a little uh, uh, differently. Um, everyone likes to always talk about it, but I think that like your competitive advantage as well. So it's how are you going to differentiate yourself in the market? And I think with like what we mentioned a little bit earlier with the virtual production management school, we hopped on that very quickly. And I think that really helped us leverage um, uh, more customers coming to view certain things. And then really the last two I kind of had written down myself were like brand loyalty and of course, long-term value. So brand loyalty kind of speaks for itself. We, you know, we want to produce technical content uh, consistently and have people come back to that content. I guess it's probably going to be the same for you guys if you keep pushing out really, really important um, subjects and, and uh, technical content that people want to listen to, they're going to consistently come back and try out new things. Um, and then the long-term value, I like that one a lot because a lot of people, when they think of, hey, I'm going to produce a video, that's it. And it's really, you can, you can do it so many ways. You can repurpose it m- multiple different ways. You can add to it. Uh, we can edit, for example, even this podcast, and add, uh, you know, in the future to add a couple of things or change some things. But I think that's an important factor, too. So a lot of different um, things to, to add that way. But really, it's, it's, it's an effective way to position yourself in the industry, um, educate the audience and, and build loyalty amongst your customers. Yeah, I, everything you just said had so many nuggets in, in like every point. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I love that you mentioned your the production school that uh, you guys put on. We do a similar thing for swine. So I totally understand the value in that. Um, and uh, the long-term value and brand loyalty is, is key. Just like you said, this podcast, we can repurpose this in so many ways. Um, you know, so feel free uh, to do so, by the oh, way, put uh, me put out it. there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, we'll do that. You know, at IPPE, you'll have some people coming up for autographs. We'll just <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> put Walter out there. Um, <laughs> kind of building off that a little bit. What are the biggest challenges in terms of marketing and communication um, that you see right now in your company? So this is a... A tricky question. Um, you got to be careful, of course, how you answer it. Um, of but no, I, I like to be open, and being open, I think, is going to help our. Is going to help any industry? I think some people like to avoid those questions from time to time, uh, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I think from if I really look at Avigen's uh, biggest challenges in terms of marketing and communication, because it is a little different marketing than you would do, you know, in a in product marketing or anything like that is I think for us nowadays, we all know it, it's getting tougher and tougher, data privacy being one of those. Um, so being able to handle that accordingly and you know, with contacts and being able to you know, mention to them, hey, we've got your data on a yearly basis. If we need to delete you, those type of things. I'm sure you guys deal with it on a, on a big level as well. Um, regulatory compliance, that's a big one nowadays. Um, think of, for example, 
you know, uh, we don't, you know, we don't do it as much as like the defense industry or anything like that. But if you had to ship certain items to Russia, I assume that's a very tricky situation right now. So that's a, that's a pretty big one. And for us, really specifically for us, I would say environmental and ethical concerns. So think of your animal welfare, sustainability, those type of things. Um, But if I had to kind of specifically put two things for Avigen, I would say your global reach is going to be one of them. Um, We all we had a slogan. We still kind of use it on a daily basis. But global reach, local touch um, is kind of where we. It was one of our uh, good ones and I still like to use it, but we operate on a global scale and being able to communicate the same message across different regions and culture cultures can be pretty challenging. Um, and really tailoring that marketing message to those strategies of specific regions is just, it's, it's tough. So not saying we do a bad job of it. I, I think we do a really good job of it, but it, you know, we, we have to consistently remind ourselves on it. Um, and then number two, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. We're just technology advance advancements, um, right. When you think you've got it all in place and you're ready and set to go with it, something new pops out and you're like, huh, that's interesting. Let's take a look at that. So really trying to stay at the forefront of those advancements, I think is a great opportunity, but also challenging. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. You know, uh, and speaking with the technology, you know, AI is, I'm sure changing a lot of things. Um, but I use it quite a bit in, in my day to day now. And, and as new sort of AI, you know, languages come out and all that, learn a new one. But um, yeah. the, the data privacy kind of hit me a little bit because last night I had a nightmare about like an email virus that went out to everybody. And when I have dreams, when I wake up, I still think I'm in the dream. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God, let me check my what's going on. I was about to call my boss, Marcio, and be like, dude, don't open your email. And, and then I realized, oh, it, it was in fact a dream. So yeah, that's Thank a big you. thing. <laughs> um, and I wanted to touch on one other thing. Uh, you know, when we first talked, you mentioned the global reach local touch too. And that's such a strong statement. Um, and especially, you know, region to region, like I'm in Miami, you're in Huntsville, Alabama, you absolutely can't market the same way. So it's it's amazing to see that that you and Aviagen are thinking about it that way. Yeah. Um, so have cool. To. Have to. Yep, I agree. So cool. So moving into a little more personal questions, um, <clears throat> what, it, in your opinion, is like the most important personality trait or strength that someone um, would need to be successful in your job? So. That's a great question because you think about that all the time. Like if I, you know, succession planning, what would you look for if, you know, if I moved on somewhere else, what would I look for if someone filled my position? Um, and one that I always come back to is curiosity. It, I see it very, and I'm, I might get a little slack for saying this, but I, I personally feel this nowadays is with the, the new upbringing they like to be stagnant and they're okay with where they are. And that, and that's fine. However, I think with curiosity nowadays, if people are consistently curious, I want them to kind of have that desire to consistently explore and, you know, understand new concept, kind of what we talked about with the technology and the AI, as you just mentioned. Um, but in an ever evolving industry, 
it's a huge and valuable trait. And mm-hmm. our CEO mentions it, uh, mentions it a lot. Uh, change is here to stay. And I think being curious about change is a great, great trait to have in our industry. But I think really, if we put it you know, in any industry, I think more than likely, you'll probably get like about 99% of the people that would say, yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that too. Uh, you know, curiosity to me is is learning, and I think if you're not willing to to question to learn, then like you said, you become stagnant, and it's okay if you're if if someone is happy being where they are, by all means, be happy. We we should all be happy in whatever we're doing, but to get to the next level, you have to constantly question and be curious about what's next. So I, I love that you picked that. Um, kind of in the same boat, what's the most important lesson that you've learned over your career so far? I'm going to guess that it's EDM does really well in the Netherlands. (laughs) (laughs) That is correct. I I think anyone who had common sense and kind of went to the Netherlands would pick up on that one pretty quickly. So I don't, I wouldn't say I learned that one. I probably grew up with it, but yeah. Um, but to kind of touch on that, to kind of add to it, um, Financial literacy. I mean, it, being able to run the budget sheets or the sheet, you know, the the statements and the budget sheets, the profit and loss statements, all those type of things are were very important for me. Uh, I mean, my background's in international business and management, so I learned a lot in school. But you never know what you're getting yourself into until those sheets start making a lot of sense in your business. So, I think a lot of people when they do their job, they do their job. Just they do they do it great, but you never know what kind of financial impact it help, uh, helps with the business. And you know, when you're looking at a top level management, that's really all they look at is how much money are we making, um, and and rightly so. But being able to really comprehend that has helped me a lot because when you're thinking of new things like the remote tech support, um, you can put together a project, but if you're not able to to put those two together and and link that with anything, it's not, it's not going to help. So that's probably one of the most important lessons I've learned. Financial statements are their own little language, right? And they don't necessarily follow what you would consider maybe traditional math. They do number wise, but there's some theory in it. Um, and, you know, just to add to what you said, you know, that um, <clears throat> tech support role, I'm sure you had to figure out What's the ROI on that? Where do we get that? What's our EBITDA at the end of the day? Um, and does it make sense? And you're right. Top level management, C-level, stuff like that. They're really looking at those sheets all day long going, how can I make this better? Yep. Yep. So, And, and to kind of touch on that from that point on too, to, um, you know, new things like, for example, virtual production management school. When, well, when we had to do that, we had to build a studio. Um, well, how much is it going to cost? What's it going to bring up? Those type of things. I don't think if people have been in or really looked at that and you put a presentation together without any costs and, and you know, coming in and, and financial sheets and indications of those type of things, you are going to create a very quick no or come back to me once you figure that out. So having that immediately, having learned that throughout the career and being able to include that in certain things like that has made life a lot easier. Awesome. Yeah, data is important, especially on big decisions like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, here's an interesting question: What do people misunderstand about you the most, Walter? Uh, 
That's a tricky one because I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here. I say it all the time. Um, but being a Dutch citizen and having grown up in the Netherlands, um, and luckily, thankfully, I've grown up in both areas. So in both the U.S. and here in uh, and in the Netherlands, um, Dutch people are very direct. And that can be tricky here, uh, especially, I would say, in the southern U.S. Oh, yeah. Because it can be perceived as rude or, or pushy in certain scenarios. However, you know, you're, you're trying not to do that, but you're really trying to just be direct and say, hey, well, this is how it is. Instead of work around the bush and, and finally come back to it. And then, you know, your days or weeks later, while as being just direct and getting to the point does help a little bit. So I think that sometimes people could feel that way about me and, and misunderstand it when I'm really just trying to look out for the business and say, Hey guys, this, we can, we can do this pretty quickly and we can make that decision pretty quickly or, or anything like that. But even though I'm not trying to be rude or pushy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Um, you know, like, like I said earlier, I'm from Orlando and from a time when Orlando was probably still considered the South, like my grandfather from Orlando, there was nothing here when he was born, Southern drawl and everything. And him and, and even, you know, my dad's family overall would just kind of like speak in circles around something before getting there, where myself, I'm pretty direct as well to the point where most people are like, you're from New York, right? Yeah. I'm like, no, yeah. no, I'm, I'm actually from Orlando. They're like, no, no. I'm like, I got my birth certificate. We can, you know, if you want to take a quick ride. Um, so uh, we might have that in common, Walter. <laughs> hey, I like it. That's probably why we get along so well already. <laughs> it, it probably is. We're, we're, we talk the same language. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is a, another question that I'd be interested in and kind of what your perspective would be. But what do you think the world's going to look like in 20 years? So always looking forward, as you can probably expect or, or hear from this whole podcast, but one of the things that to me is, uh, is I, I listen to a lot of different podcasts. So one of the ones that I like a lot is like Harvard Business School um, because they it just looks back, but it also looks to the future and things that are coming forward. So a couple of those things uh, that I think need to be considered in the next 20 years is the or, you know, what it's going to look like is huge advancements in technology. So you just mentioned it a little earlier, like on a daily basis, you're learning new language on AI. I mean, it's it's insane how fast that's going. Um, it's kind of scary <laughs> at, some, at some stages as well, because I'm like, oh, shoot, you know more about me than I, or, than I know about myself. <laughs> um, but I think that's going to be a very important one. I think a very beneficial one, too, though. Um, it's going to make us a lot more efficient in certain things. Um, climate change and sustainability, I just, it's not going to leave us. We just know that it's going to consistently be pushed. Um, once we get to that next step, you know, carbon footprint reductions to a certain amount, the next one, it's going to get pushed again. So having to adapt to that in a changing climate, it's going to be, uh, interesting to see. And then, uh, really another good one would probably be like digital transformation. So seeing industries that aren't so much into the digital world yet and how they're going to turn or transition into that. So by increased connectivity, uh, automation, data-driven decisions making, those type of things. So I know, you know, ha even in the poultry industry, you see it a lot. A lot of people are very old school, 
Um, but seeing that progression is going to help a lot. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Um, you know, touching on that last point, a lot of people, and I'm not from ag, so, you know, it's like drinking from a fire hose for me every day. But a lot of people have told me that, you know, the ag industry is 10 years behind what everybody else is doing in reference to, you know, digital transformation. And I think we're kind of seeing that now with the rise of, you know, what we do and, and things that you're doing over there um, at Aviagen, um, and even the rise of like ag tech companies. There's a lot of AI driven ag tech that's coming out in the past few years that, uh, that are really going to drive it. So it'll be interesting to see where it all goes. Yep. Very true. Also love the positive outlook. <laughs> could have totally gone with the Terminator there. Um, yeah, I, could have. <laughs> I could have. No, I mean, in the end, that's, that's probably one thing to, to also mention is we can consistently kind of look back on things and, and, you know, say, Hey, no, this is how it should be done. Or just the, the being able to be positive and looking forward is, is a probably a big one to, to add to that one as well. No, that's probably also a good trait to have. We'll add that with curiosity. I like it. I like it. Done and done. Well, we made it to the end, Walter. Where can everybody find you online? So I think you kind of already mentioned it, that feel free to, you know, to post any of my, uh, um, uh, social profiles with this if, if you'd like. But of course, LinkedIn, search Walter LaSalle or uh, feel free to shoot me an email at W LaSalle. And I'll spell that for anyone listening because it's L-A-S-S-A-U-W at avigen.com. Awesome. Awesome. And make sure you change your LinkedIn to, you know, Walter outside the box. <laughs> I'll put a little trademark with it for uh, with, with Daryl on there. Perfect. No, as well. Perfect. Perfect. I'll just take a penny every time. It'll get me a coffee eventually. But gotcha. <laughs> All right, Walter. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on with us today. No problem. Thank you. All right. And guys, thank you for listening to the Wise Next podcast. We'll see you next time.